Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events in my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Hi, and thanks for joining. Today, my friend Eva Cheska is back to share her transformative and healing experience during a master plan dieta in Peru. She'll explain what a dieta entails and what happened while she was deep in the jungle for three weeks. Eva Cheska DeAngelis is the founder of Temple Soto Luce, an organization for healing, growth, consciousness, and expansion. She's a practicing integrative counselor, psycho-spiritual guide, somatic practitioner, and shamanic practices facilitator. Eva Cheska is an eternal student, and her passion for pursuing her personal studies and development is inspired by her own healing journey and is fueled by her life's mission to be of service to others as they walk their own healing paths. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you, so send me your comments. How are you? Good. How are you? It's so nice to see your face. I feel like we have not had a proper face-to-face catch-up in so long. It's only been through texting. (laughs) I feel the same way, and I'm so happy to be doing it this way and also hope to be able to get some time in person very soon as well. Yes. I cannot wait to hear about all of your journeys. You've been on quite the journey since last year. So which one do you think you'd like to talk about? Because there's there's so many. There have been so many. And I honestly feel like I have lived like quantum Hmm. lifetimes and timelines and experiences since last you and I talked. And I almost feel like almost every day I'm like, how is this just a 24 hour period? Because there's so much. (laughs) The field is so potent. But what I think would be really great for us to talk about today is very top of mind for me as I'm still in this process. Mm-hmm. It's my most recent dieta in Peru, my master plant dieta in Peru. And 
and what that experience was like and what it's been like on the other side of it and how it's affecting my life and how I'm integrating. Wow. Okay. So give us a brief explanation as to what it means when you say a master plant dieta. Yeah, absolutely. So a master plant dieta in the way that I have been practicing it for the past several years through my apprenticeship and work with and studying under initiations with the Shipibo Conibo tradition out of the Northern Amazon in Peru and specifically one specific family that I've been studying with there. Essentially what it means is we create a contract of sorts. Sometimes it's a written contract. Sometimes it's unspoken energetic, but there's a deep intention behind it to go into a dieta with a plant. Mm -hmm. And the purpose is to receive teachings, energy, transmissions, guidance, allyship from this plant, from its archetypal energy that is reflected within us, from the bonding of our consciousnesses together. And we do that in a form of meditation. So we go into a period of fasting, uh, silence, no touch, sometimes no eye contact for a significant period of time. Yeah. And then we also are intended to really just clear our channel from as much stimulation as possible. So like, mm -hmm. even though there's cell phone service in the jungle, I don't even look at screens or listen to music personally. Some people do. Mm -hmm. I keep it generally pretty pure myself. You're not intended to even fantasize about food when you're fasting out of respect for the plant. Yeah. No fantasizing or longing for physical touch or sexual experiences or any of that kind of stuff. It's really out of honor to this sacred devotional connection really clearing the channel so you can learn from this wow. plant. And in addition to all of the other things that I've listed specifically for me this time, but every single time, the healing that can take place in these containers and in these wow. environments. And oftentimes, ayahuasca is included in this tradition. Nowadays, they at the very minimum open and close the dieta with an ayahuasca ceremony, but oftentimes ayahuasca ceremonies happen throughout the duration, mostly for Westerners who may struggle to connect. Although I'll share a little bit more with you about that. I actually didn't drink much ayahuasca on this trip. Mm. Mm. So how long was this plant dieta that you were yeah. on more recently? Well, officially it was three weeks, although it became quite ev evident to me before and now even more so after that it started far before I got there and of course continues long after and officially in the jungle for three weeks. Wow. So what is the purpose of doing a plant dieta? You explain kind of the primer of what it is, but is it that you don't necessarily do any specific plant medicine, but because you are clearing your channel, your body and energetically that you're able to just connect with the plant without even having to ingest it in the traditional way? We do drink a tea made from the plant, but these plants are not psychedelic we take the bark or sometimes the leaves, depending on what time, type of plant, and we drink an extract. We call it extracto, but it's like a tea made from the plant. So if you imagine you might have a tea at home that's made from right. mint leaves, you could do a mint dieta if you were to go into this process. Right. Every single plant has a consciousness and an energetic frequency and a specific blueprint mm -hmm. that is quite unique, just like a human being, right? And they're such, gosh, just benevolent divine teachers and they have so much wisdom and they're so open with how they share as long as we go in with integrity and intention and honor that sacred devotional connection. So who chooses this specific plant that you are going to end up doing the dieta 
with? Is it the shaman or you feel called to a very specific plant to do the dieta? So for me personally, it's always been a deep calling. I feel it in my body. My first dieta a few years back, about six months before the diet, I wasn't even planning to do it. I didn't really know much about what a dieta was. And I started waking up in the middle of the night feeling like this plant energy was pulling at my chest. Mm. And so for me, it's always a calling. It's always a deep calling, a clarity and knowing. But, you know, not everybody has that experience and that's totally okay. And so sometimes people will get down to the jungle or wherever it is that they may be doing their dieta. And the curandero, which is what they call the, the shaman down there, will assess maybe in an ayahuasca ceremony likely and see what's going on in, in your body, your energetic frequency, and then make some recommendations. And also like really what they're doing is they're asking the plants on your behalf. Mm. So which specific plant did you start doing the dieta with? Yeah. So when I first booked this trip, I had an intention to diet a plant called Marusa. That was my very first diet ever. And I have a very special place for all of them in my heart, but she holds a very special place. And I've been owing her a second date, if you will. Down there, they call her an entire hospital in a single plant. They say that she is a great plant for people who work in healing modalities and specifically also people who work with their hands, but really great for practitioners of lots of different forms. And so, of course, like made a lot of sense for me. And it was my first diet and it was so potent and so powerful. And that was my intention was to go down for three weeks and to diet her. And then in the fall, I sustained a pretty severe injury in my low back. I had a severely herniated disc in my L5 S1, which is where your spine meets your sacrum. And the way that the disc was herniated was severely pressing on my nerve and sending a pain unlike pain I've ever experienced in my entire life through my hip, down my leg, all the way down past my knee into my foot to the point where I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. Oh I, I literally had to crawl to the toilet. Like I would have to like slide out of bed because I could only lay on my right side. I couldn't lay on my back, my left. I couldn't sit. So I would have to like slide out of bed, crawl to the toilet, pull myself up either by the doorknobs or walls and try to do my best not to have a complete breakdown just to go pee. God. And there were nights, man, where like I was, you know, I couldn't sleep more than 10, 15 minutes at a time because any movement in my sleep would wake me up and I would just be in pain, not moving. And there were nights where I would just be up all night crying and just like praying and making promises to my body. Like, I'll never take you for granted again. Like, please heal. Let's heal. Visualizing, meditating, visualizing myself healed. And that in and of itself was a deeply psychedelic experience, even though I right. was on any medicine. Like, mm -hmm. pain is one of the deepest teachers I've ever had in my life. But all this to say that I knew from the last time I was in the jungle and the many years that I've been apprenticing and studying with this lineage and in this modality is that there's a specific plant, a tree uh, called in Shipibo, the name is Mokapari, uh, but other people may know it as Chiriksenango or in Australia, the tree is called Yesterday, Today, Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's a smaller tree with these beautiful purple flowers that turn white. It's a masculine energy, which was my first time ever engaging with a male energy plant. And this plant specifically works very, very deep on the nervous system. And since I was experiencing so much deep nerve pain, I knew I needed to diet that plant. And so I flew down to Peru and I had to have wheelchairs in the airport. I couldn't walk. When I got to Peru, they literally had to carry me off the plane. The flight was 
one of the most horrendous experiences of my life. I was in so much pain. I was so worried. I'd made the injury even worse by trying to sit for so long. And I opened the diet, you know, when I got there, like immediately. And so when I got to the jungle and this plant, it sends this like vibration. It's like this buzzing, this tingling buzzing through all of your cells. And it's quite really challenging. And it made it so I couldn't drink ayahuasca. I would take a sip of ayahuasca and immediately vomit within 10 seconds because I just couldn't. Mm. I actually ended up doing two dietas in the three weeks that I was there, but that was the first one. Were you consuming it as a tea? Like, do they steep the bark or the plant or the flowers? Yeah, they take the branches and the leaves and they put it into like a mill, a grinder and really like break it down. And then they take the juice of that and then they mix it with water. And then they set it out in the sunlight. And I believe also the moonlight. That's how I've been trained to do it. And often with many of these plants, you can drink your extract morning and night, sunrise, sundown. But with this one, in an 11-day period, I could only drink three. I guess I drank four times, although the last dose was very small because this plant is so strong that actually if you drink too much, it can be not good for you. Right. So what were you experiencing besides like the kind of the tingling and that feeling all throughout your body? Did you have any visions? I am quite a visual. Well, I would say I'm like very kinesthetic as well, but quite a visual person. And I do have visions just like in my day-to-day life. And through this diet, they've like really opened up. Um, So the first that I got was when I would blink, like slowly, I would blink and I would see my spine and I would see my sacrum and then I would see the purple flowers coming out of my spine. Wow. And, my sacrum. and then, oh yeah, and I, I would be sitting like, and I couldn't really do much. When I go down there, I'm used to being able to walk around in the jungle and sit with the plants and spend that time. I couldn't do much. So I'd be either in my tombo or out kind of on this like bench area, which is where I spent most of my time when I couldn't walk. And I'd be smoking my, my mapacho, which is our ceremonial tobacco or pipe. Mm-hmm. And it would just transport me and I'd be surrounded by all of these leaves and I'd be hearing all of this information. So the clear audience was also very strong mm. and the receiving of information. So a lot of it was about how I'd been treating my body, how I can be in better alignment with my body, how and why this injury happened. I'm a somatic practitioner among other things. And I practice a lot of somatic attunement within myself and my clients and I had been spending a lot of time trying to find the root cause of this because there wasn't really like an acute accident. There was a very minor thing that happened to cause this. And so I knew it must be more psychospiritual. Mm. So really guiding me through trying to find the memories, the emotions, the traumas that were stored in my lower back, showing me how some of what was there was actually ancestral. Some of it was my parents. I found mm-hmm. my father's anger and fear and my mother's grief stored in my low back and went through a whole process of relieving, releasing it. I was shown a lot of this plant has so much divine masculine energy and has been a divine masculine presence for me. Like since I, I connected with the energy about a year and a half ago for the first time. And so it really took me through like, hey, Avicheska, let's take a look at some of your relationship patterns. Let's mm-hmm. look at what hasn't been working. Mm. And let's optimize this. Like now's the time, you know, we're ready to do this. So let's do it. And let's see what's been stored in that back. And let's move through this. And it was deep and it was challenging. It was a lot of shadow work. It was shining a light on behaviors that I had have been enacting for, you know, 37 years, Mm. maybe super little, but it was shown behaviors even with boys when I was like in middle school. What were the behaviors that it was bringing to light for you? 
So specifically, I was shown that the relationship blueprint that I was shown by my parents was two people who were really in love when they were together and also was like quite volatile in a lot of respects. And they were always trying to change each other. Um, and my mother trying to change herself to fit into my father's paradigm as well. And so every relationship I've ever been in, I have then, you know, there's been, I've been very lucky in my life to experience beautiful love many times in different ways. And, um, also really tried to fit myself into that man's paradigm or that boy's paradigm or that guy's paradigm, depending on who he was and where I was in my life and also receive from him. I love you, Evacheska. You're so wonderful. You're this, you're that, but I need you to change this. Mm. I want you to be different. I want, right. And me be like, well, the only way I can be loved is if I change. And Mokopari was like, no more. There's no more. Like, that's bullshit. There's no more of that. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Sorry. No, um, no, you can't. You can cuss. What were some yeah. of the things that the men were asking you to change about yourself? Was it that they thought you were too much, that your personality was too big, or that yeah. you weren't speaking up for yourself? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is what they didn't know is that I wasn't speaking up for myself. Like, certainly in retrospect, and even sometimes in the moment, I knew but I thought I was like doing the right thing. There was a little bit of like, you're intense, you're too much here and there, but mostly it was like, you're mm -hmm. too independent. Um, I was in a marriage with a man who gave me an ultimatum about my career. I was in a very different mm -hmm. career at that point in time. There is, I don't like how you do this. I don't like how you show up for your friends, put me first. And I love really hard, you know, when everybody deserves yeah. equal treatment, equal love. And yeah. also just like a lot of not understanding, like asking me to put my spirituality in a box, asking mm -hmm. me to like tone it down. My, and now it's like, if any man couldn't deal with me talking about my relationship to plant spirits, then he need yeah. not apply. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of that. And there was a lot of like not honoring myself. And mm -hmm. I was shown connection of not honoring myself in relationships not honoring myself in relationship with myself first and mm -hmm. foremost, and then how that was impacting my body and how I was not honoring my body. And so ultimately the directive coming out of it was like, Hey, the other pattern is that I have a tendency. Let me correct myself. I have had a tendency in the past to really dive into the deep end relationships very quickly. Mm -hmm. And the plant was like, this next one must be predicated on the foundation of friendship first. Mm -hmm. And that way in friendship, you show up exactly as who you are. Yeah. Never, never trying to change yourself for anybody mm -hmm. and never trying to fit into somebody else's paradigm. And so then it's like, there's no risk, right. Of it not being in alignment. Right. And that was an interesting one. And at 37, like a little scary because there's like the human clock, but frankly, it was such a beautiful teaching and made so much sense. And I was able to really release that old patterning, which was from a place of wanting to be loved and protecting myself and do a lot of parts, you know, connecting to my inner child, understanding why at a young age I implemented those. It's all offshoots of my core wounding and everything and that I've been working on for a long time. And it's really beautiful. Wow. Thank you for yeah. sharing that because that resonates for me. And I think it's going to resonate for a lot of other people because that's probably one of the main challenges that I think most women and I'm sure some men as well deal with in relationships is either not having a voice, not speaking up for themselves, or sometimes being too much, right? I've been in relationships where the person felt like I was just too much. 
because I just do my whole self and I have a lot of passion and I really jump in with both feet. Yeah. And I always say some people just can't handle it. They can't handle that kind of energy. And then you end up dimming your light, which I think a lot of women have done throughout their entire lives. Now I think we're all kind of reclaiming it and trying to bring forth everything that we know is truly within us and not be ashamed of it and just be who we are. Absolutely. And through this path, I dieted Blue Lotus. I've now dieted Blue Lotus Mm. twice. This diet was less spring and I came to a place of like, okay, if committing to my path means being alone, that's fine. And then through the integration of that last year, and then through this process, it's like, all right, like if it's not in alignment, I don't want it. Like there's no trying to make it work, not just with relationships, but like with anything, right? There's no trying to make it work in any aspects of my life anymore. Like it either like is, or it's not. And if it's not, that's okay. And this whole concept of too much, it's directly connected to not enough. Because if you're yeah. too much in one area, then that means you're not enough of something else. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a narrative that any of us need to subscribe to or carry. And it takes a lot of deep work to get there. I've been working on this like core wounding for so long. And every time I feel like, oh yeah, like I got this, I got this, like there's another layer to unfold. Mm-hmm. And mine was really that it started at three years old. I remember when I found the moment in time, but it was that if I show up fully as who I am, then I'm not lovable. And so that instigated a lifetime of me just shifting, even if just a little bit, make a change here, hold something back here, not honor myself in another area. And so that then snowballed into a much bigger thing throughout my relationships. And the plants have a way of bringing everything to the surface. (laughs) Mm, Oh my God. Do they? It's like truth serum. (laughs) You cannot run from it. You can't run from it or from yourself, right? Right. Right. So as you're going through this process, So two things, are you starting to feel like you're releasing some of this generational trauma that you have carried with you in your body? And then also, how is your body feeling? Do you start to feel like the nerve is relaxing and that your lower back is starting to feel open and the pain is lessening? I mean, every day I would be like, wait, am I getting better? Like I was walking around the camp, not a lot, not far. I was in pain, but it was like starting to get better. And I was unable to drink ayahuasca, sitting in the ayahuasca ceremonies, nonetheless, having these big experiences, these really big experiences and talking to my body and talking to my being and saying like, you know, this is not mine to carry. What's not mine is not mine. Releasing it. And then of course, working through the other stuff that I shared with you Mm. and slowly, but surely getting better every day. And there were some days where I was like, is this real? I spent a lot of time working with fear and skepticism, right? Like, okay, I guess I have to be comfortable, like not be attached to any outcome, comfortable with the fact that I may not get better at all, or I may not get better here. And do I really believe in this connection with the plants? Is there a little bit of skepticism here? And what is the basis of that? Where is that stored in my body? Right. 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 Because it was all intertwined. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because I think there is always a little bit of skepticism when you do a plant medicine journey or a psychedelic, even though you know that most likely it's going to help you heal in some capacity and process and release some of the stored trauma and energy that you've been holding on to. But there's always that tiny little bit of skepticism where you think, maybe this is not going to work for me. Maybe I'm the one person out of all these other people in the ceremony where it just may not work. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I think it's healthy to have that tiny bit of skepticism 
Yeah. As much as you don't want to have it, I think it's just natural. Well, that's kind of where I was about, where I was going. Like I was about to say, although I would change the word, right? So like skepticism, there's a root of that in fear, but discernment mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. And being able to discern what's really happening, mm -hmm. both within yourself and in these experiences is incredibly important. And so working with those parts, right? Like, okay, skepticism is here. Let me allow space for the skepticism. Let me explore it. Let me understand the basis of it, the root from which it comes. Where is it stored in my body? What is it trying to tell me? And then what I like to do is say like, hey, thank you, skepticism. I really appreciate you for trying to keep me safe. And you can go ahead and have a seat. I still have a seat for you. It's fine yeah. because yeah. you and discernment are housed in the same place. And I'm going to allow discernment to step in here and take the driver's seat. And discernment in all of this work, any kind of spiritual work, with or without entheogens and psychedelics and external substances, you know, discernment's really, really important with the messages we receive, processes we go through. Yeah. So as you're moving through this three-week process of this very powerful plant dieta, what else is happening? Are you getting additional messages and visions? Yeah. How is your body feeling throughout this whole process? Yeah. So this first dieta with Mokopari was actually only 11 days and I got a really mm. clear message. I still was like, do I want to diet Marusa? Like she called me for the second date, but these two plants are in this cosmology, the two most sensitive plants. Mm. And it just like, it didn't feel right for me to diet Marusa right after Mokopari. I knew I would be too sensitive. I didn't think it was good for my body. And so I asked Mokopari, like, what should I be dieting? You know, in these last 11 days, should I keep dieting? Should I go into something else? Mm. And I got this clear message to diet two plants that I've dieted before. One of them is Noyarao, which in this cosmology, they call her the tree of light and the tree of life. It is a bioluminescent mm. tree in the jungle. Whoa. You know? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I dieted her for a month last year in the jungle. It was really amazing. Life-changing. And then Mokapari said, it's actually a double diet with Noyarao and with Blue Lotus. And mm. so I would have Noyarao tea in the morning and Blue Lotus tea in the evening. And... Um, Man, oh man, they mm. pulled no <laughs> <laughs> I love Blue Lotus, so oh, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, they pulled no punches. That next dieta, this double dieta, for the remainder of my time in the jungle, it was really about shining a light on a lot of my bullshit within myself, like mm. showing me that I'm such integrity and alignment with the way that I hold space for others in my work, in my friendships, and with my family. And how I'm not holding myself to that standard with myself and wow. showing me where I need to change, where I need to make shifts. As I said to Noya Rao, hey, like the month long dieta with you last year unequivocally changed my life. There was so much magic, magic. There was so much depth. You know, what now? Wow. And she was like, I taught you magic. If you want it, you got to do it yourself. Like, you don't get to rest on your laurel. This is not about like, let's practice what you preach. Because one of my core beliefs is in all of this work, I'm so grateful to plant medicine and to psychedelics and entheogens and everything. But in all of this work, I see a lot of people abdicating power and ability and responsibility to mm. a, a ceremony or a journey. And I really believe that these plants are here to help us remember that we can do this on our own by calling in yes. their energies, but not abdicating to them. And so she was like, all right, yes. you don't get to be the princess here. That's not how this works. 
And if you want to step into like being a queen, it's a very different energy. And so there was a lot of like dark, watery muddiness as I looked as the tree of light shined Mm. the light on on that stuff within myself. And Lotus was like, hey, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of mud before you get to bloom into a flower. So Mm. like, let's be here. And through that, there was also a lot of understanding of the way I was engaging with myself was affecting my body. And so the healing continued with my body and continued and continued and still continues, you know, on the other side. And it was integrating that first diet too. It was very multifaceted. What were some of the things that were coming up in terms of how you were not showing up for yourself? Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend recently, a fellow dietero, as we call each other. And, you know, I was sharing with him that I felt quite grateful and quite fortunate and blessed in this life to have known to some extent that I have a deep connectivity to my higher self. Mm. And through that, I don't love the word protection, but I'm trying to find another word for it. A sense of how to move through the world and through these spaces. And he goes, well, yeah, I can see that. And also I could imagine that it might create a sense of laziness because you don't have to work hard to do a lot of the things that people strive to do. Oh, interesting. And I sat with that for a second when he said it, and it was after the diet had closed. We had this conversation and I sat with it for a second and he had just dieted Neuerau. And I was like, oh my God, this is Neuerau talking directly to me. Like, this is, (laughs) hey, remember our conversation. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, let's get real with your practices. Like, what are your practices? And not just like doing them when you feel like it, but like really leaning in to your sacred devotional practices and to caring for your body and your being in the same way and not putting one before the other, which I have done kind of ping-ponging back and forth in my life and really taking the self-care, which is, I think in our culture is like, we think a lot about like a bubble bath and a face mask, but like spiritual hygiene, self-care, like what that really, really looks like. And it may sound minute, but it was actually pretty loud for me and and a pretty big awakening. And the biggest takeaway was, of course, how I have been with my body. And mm. so the practices coming out of like really, really attuning to my body's consciousness. I have found that my body has her own consciousness. And, and the plants guided me to say, hey, you know, like, you revere us and you honor us and you respect us. You need to start treating your body like a master plant and listening Mm. to her and asking her every day, what does she need? How you can best Mm. honor her, how to nourish her and really get into alignment. I mean, in what ways were you neglecting your body and how have you made some adjustments? Yeah. I have always lived in this like dichotomous place of having this like really strong constitution. Like I never get sick. I will not ever, rarely, 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 rarely get sick. Yeah. And I never got COVID. That's just kind of how I am. And there's been a little bit of taking it for granted. So there's all this strength, but there's also like a lot of sensitivity. I have a lot of food sensitivities mm. and I have been a little blase about them. I don't eat gluten because it sends me into like hives and lethargy and all this stuff. But like, I know full well that my body doesn't like grains and they're everywhere. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do it. Right. And I had a really amazing experience when I dieted Redwood last year, where I was dealing with some inflammation and within two days it went away. And I asked Redwood, like, 
how and why did this inflammation go away? And Redwood was like, you can eat nuts when they're in something, but you have to stop buying nuts as snacks. I can feel it right now. Redwood tapped me into the frequency of the almond tree and the pain that the almond tree feels because we've been over harvesting. And Redwood was like, your body is feeling the pain of this over harvesting and that's what's Mm -hmm. happening. And so I was like, you know, I've been ignoring that for a while, not that specifically, but these kinds of things. And you know, the plants were like, listen, like you've been protecting yourself when you eat things that you shouldn't, you cloud your ability to feel other energies. And so you've been protecting yourself from those other energies, but you can't do that anymore because it's not allowing your body and your consciousness to function properly and to Mm -hmm. be in alignment. That was one area You know, with this herniation, essentially what happened was I sat down for a 90 minute online class. Immediately, my body said, get out of this chair. Wow. And I didn't listen. And my body sent the message again a couple minutes later. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm already on the class. My face is already on the screen. Everybody can see me. I don't want to get up and move. And so I was like, I'm just going to sit here. And my body said it again, get out of this chair. Wow. And I didn't. And at the end of the class, I signed off Zoom and I stood up and I felt the tiniest in my low back. And that was it. That's how it happened. And I can now recognize throughout my life how I've been overriding my body's natural cues and not listening to her when she's been sending me really clear messages. And I think subconsciously, Min, I thought that I was asserting some kind of like sovereignty of my consciousness over my body. Like I'm a sovereign being, but what I was actually doing was creating an imbalanced power dynamic between my body and my being rather than getting them into alignment and having them work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much. It's so interesting when you said about COVID, because I actually, I evaded COVID for over three years and I just recently got it. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I knew I had it was because I lost my sense of smell and taste. Wow. And then I have to tell you, I also have been having lower back, like sciatic issues. And so when you've wow. been talking about your whole sacral area and the lower back, it was interesting because when I started feeling the pain, I immediately thought like, not only was it something physical because I was trying to lift something and I forgot to lift from my core and from my knees mm-hmm. and I did it too quickly. But then I felt in my intuition that there's something else that is going on with your body and something that needs to be released that has nothing to do with what caused it. And I just couldn't really put my finger on it. And so it's just interesting that you're talking about this and I was thinking about it and it's now coming full circle. It doesn't surprise me. I'm sorry to hear that you're moving through that and I'm happy to support you through it. Mm-hmm. And one of the beautiful things about, about these dietas is like you learn so much also about like your path and your divine path. And for me, I've been asking the plants every time for, you know, support and mm-hmm. on my dharmic path. And I know a lot of that for me is teaching and it's all just kind of starting to come to fruition with the course that I teach on mushrooms. And this next one, I think I'm going to start teaching the body as a consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's the archetypal work. I don't know that everybody will necessarily believe that their body has its own consciousness, but teaching it archetypally. I think it's going to continue to help me grow as a somatic practitioner as well. And of course, just really honoring her and Mm -hmm. and listening to her. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. 
So as you were winding down your plant dieta in Peru, I have to know, yeah. did the pain just completely go away by the time um, you were ready to go home? It was really wild, man. I was like getting better and better every day. And then I had a couple days where like it started to come back and I was like, okay, non-attachment. Mm -hmm. I have learned non-attachment from Lotus time and again, no attachment to any outcomes or expectations. Just allow, you know, if it comes, let it, if it goes, let it. And there's a, a three and a half mile hike out of the jungle. I was driven in because oh there had gosh. been no rain. It's a mud road. I, and so there had been no rain, so they could drive me in, you know, when I first got there. We had torrential downpour for like the days before I left. And I was like, oh my God, am I going to be able to walk out of here? Like I was walking around camp, moving much better, hardly any pain. Hmm. I was like, I hadn't walked more than a couple blocks in like months, months oh and months. God. And New Yorker, right? I used to I walk and then suddenly no movement, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, even without the pain, I don't know if my body is capable of walking that far right now. Right, right. And, and through the I jungle. Did. These aren't city streets that you have to walk three right. and a half miles, right, to get to the airport. No, it's it's like, like the jungle. Mud <laughs> with, with the hiking boots that are heavy and all this stuff. And it's really hot. And I hiked three and a half miles, a lot of it uphill out of the jungle when I left. Yeah. Wow. And no pain or, or very little pain. No, honestly, no pain. Uh, in, I just got chills. Yeah. In the weeks uh, since, I've had some pain. I have a lot of physical therapy to do. There's been a lot of atrophy in my body holistically, but especially on my left side. And I'm working with a sports injury physical trainer. Mm. And I'm also doing a lot of stuff at home, you know, isometric mm. work and various other things, a lot of meditation. And also I am actually presently in a dieta, but I'm doing it a little mm. bit differently. I'm in dieta with my body and that's what I'm doing right now. And I started, I'm on day four today. So obviously I'm not in silence and I am engaging with people. So it's done a little bit differently, but I'm spending every morning in a deep meditation. I was guided by my body by way of a drum journey. So I'm getting my drum mm -hmm. out every morning and connecting with my body's consciousness and on this journey of inner listening and really listening mm -hmm. to her. And it's already been quite fascinating and it's only been four days. Wow. So what's shifted that's been noticeable for you or even subtle for you as you've come back to your life and just the day-to-day -day and, and trying yeah. to integrate? Yeah. I mean, aside from as soon as I get a hit, like, no, this is not good for your body, I immediately make a shift. Like even right now, I probably should just as soon as I said that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so as shift. Yeah. Yep. Um, I... I have a trust that I don't think I had before. I have experienced what in our culture would only be called magic, but. To say know. that, I just didn't want to use the word, but I got chills when you said you have virtually no pain. I'm like, it's magic. It's magic. I know. I know. And I could have gotten surgery. I could have taken painkillers. I kept checking in with my intuition. I just didn't feel right, you know, and no judgment for anybody who does decide to do that. I just knew it wasn't right for me. And so, yeah, I've got this like trust and I feel it like in my solar plexus. It's like this like deep, deep trust in these alternative ways and methodologies of healing. Like I know that this happened for mm -hmm. me. I chose it you know, for myself. Mm -hmm. I, it didn't happen to me. It happened for me as another brick on the path that is my life and also my life's work and what I'm meant to bring to fruition to support 
others, because I know that that is part of uh, one of the biggest parts of, if not the biggest part of my dharma is to support others on their healing journey and support them as they're leading into their processes as well. So that trust, that embodied trust is quite different. Mm -hmm. I feel an awareness of my old modalities really having kind of like slipped away. So like the old me, and we love her because she got me the 37 and a half, you know, the old me would be like, all right, like I feel better. Let's like go into it. Let's go to soul cycle. Let's go dance. Let's do this. And it's like, (laughs) I I cannot do that right now. And so the low and slow, Mm -hmm. um, just the awareness of, I went to my first workout class the other night and it was a bar class. So like, you know, small moves, isometric holds, tiny things. And I spent a lot of time during and afterward asking my body, were there certain things I was shying away from because I was just guarded because I was scared Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. because I knew I shouldn't do it and understanding what the difference is really listening to the difference, right? I don't want to be operating from a place of fear, but I also don't want to push myself too hard. And I've also been sitting with the phrase, no pain, no gain, which I'm like, (laughs) it's the most absurd sentence ever. It's really something that somehow culturally was ingrained in me yeah. for so yeah. long. And granted, you know, in some respects, I suppose it's true with shadow work, maybe. And even with this, like a lot of pain, now I've gained a lot, but not when it comes to physical exercise or like how we engage with ourselves. It doesn't need to be that. I feel like I've moved into my feminine energy a lot more. The integration is naturally putting me more in this like yin state of spaciousness, of allowing, and even the beauty of surrendering to this trust, not knowing exactly what it looks like, you know, but really trusting that. Yeah, I think those are some of the pieces of it. I'm just so happy for you that you are taking care of yourself because Mm -hmm. you are such a beautiful soul. You really are. And you hold space for other people so beautifully. Mm -hmm. You're empathic. You have this like beautiful, just like almost like maternal energy about you. You're a caretaker. You want to help people. And I'm just so happy that you are finally taking care of yourself and your spirit and your body and everything else emotionally, mentally. It makes me happy to hear that. And I can see in your face, not that you never had beautiful energy around you, but I see it on your face, this light Oh, thank you so much for that reflection. I receive it. I appreciate it. And when I first got back, man, I hadn't cooked for myself in so long because I couldn't stand at the stove. Mm-hmm. I had cried standing at my stove, making myself lunch because I was so, so grateful. I have a new level of gratitude for every step that I'm taking, you know, every single mm-hmm. one. And I would be remiss not to mention that when I was in the jungle, there was a man and he's 73 beautiful, beautiful soul. And he has a degenerative spine disease and Parkinson's. He was such an important reminder for me to really take care of myself. Mm. And also just like this, the depth of the emotion and seeing him and knowing that he was there, his pain was getting better. And also what he has are likely lifelong diagnoses. Whereas I knew that I would get better. And Mm. I find that 
that every time I'm in the jungle, there's always some kind of like mirror like that. Yes. And so it's just like such a deep reminder. I always tell my clients, like, please put the oxygen mask on yourself first, especially my clients that are parents, but everybody. Right. And then I always like take so much pride in walking my own walk with the practices that I share with people and coach and also really recognizing where I maybe wasn't walking my own walk in, in self-care. And, and now I want to be in this body for another, at least 60 years. You know, I'm 37. <laughs> I'd love to be, I would love to get to at least a hundred, if not longer. Yeah. And that requires care and diligence. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I guess we are stewards of this body while we're here. We have yeah. to be just so conscious and mm-hmm. loving about it. And it's hard. I think most people, men and women, have a love-hate relationship with their body. There are a lot of things that are tied to it emotionally and mentally and physically that I think mm-hmm. is really difficult for a lot of people to come to terms with. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's yeah. in our society, you know, in the Western culture, I worked in, in mm-hmm. beauty and skincare for many years before I went back to school mm-hmm. to study psychology. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was quite unkind to myself for a very long time. And I realized that like every cell, every fiber, every strand of DNA, they all hear every one of our thoughts. They experience every one of our experiences. All of our words are held there. And so the things that I would say, the self-deprecating things that I would say about my appearance you know, even when I was in my twenties and now I look back on those pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was, <laughs> I'm very happy now to be in this body, but I have those moments. Right. And yeah. the things I would say to myself in the mirror or think in my head were so unkind. And so I've done a lot of work over the past couple of years to rewire those conversations and re-blueprint them. And I think I'll be doing that work for the rest of my life, honestly, you know, mm. <laughs> Well, I really want to thank you for sharing this particular experience because I think most people, when they think of plant medicines and psychedelics, they go naturally to the psilocybins, the ayahuascas, the wachumas of the world. And I'm getting a deep education from you knowing that there's other plant medicines that are out there that don't have the kind of psychoactive chemicals or components to it, but you can still have very deep experiences and deep healing from them. So for anyone who may be interested in learning more about all these different types of plant medicines, what would you say to somebody who's interested? I mean, I'm happy to have a conversation. I am feeling really called to supporting people in, you know, finding a path. I think there are so many different paths to the center, right? When I talk about the sacred devotional connection that I have with Mm -hmm. these plants, I also have read books on Buddhist meditations in Tibetan Buddhism, where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just like dieta, you know? And so I'm happy to have a conversation. I also think to do some research on master plant dieta and see what you find. Mm. Please, if you do that, make sure that you're going to a place that, that has a lot of integrity. That's got like either solid reviews or feel free to check with me or somebody in your community. I think that's really important because there also is a lot of wonkiness, you know, out there, unfortunately, as as this continues to grow there also is a great book called Sacred Plant Initiations. I'm forgetting the, the title, but it talks about dietas in other formats. It's by mm-hmm. a woman who works in more of like the Celtic realm. Lots of cultures have been doing this with, with plants yeah, for a very, very long time in lots of different ways. This is just the way that I am trained and that I've been working in, but there are so many different ways to do it. 
even just working with essences. There are so many beautiful companies online that sell beautiful plant essences, and it can be a beautiful form of creating a relationship with a plant without doing any of this. You can simply sit in meditation, maybe put a few drops under your tongue, third eye, maybe your chakras, your pulse points and sit in meditation. I've worked with plants in that way and they can be very, very deep teachers. And you want to do the same thing, set an intention and ask the plant for guidance. So lots of different ways to do this. Yeah. Well, all of Evacheska's contact information will be in the episode notes. So you can always reach out to her and she can give you a wealth of information and guidance and support. I want to thank you again. I'm just so happy to see you. We definitely have to get a coffee tea date together yeah. at some point because yeah. I really want to see you in person and give you a big hug. Um, yeah. It's been too long. It's been way too long. May I add one thing for everybody? Absolutely. I would say like, as you are learning to connect with your body, maybe it's totally, totally new. Oh, this is going to make me a little emotional. <laughs> mm. um, a really beautiful practice for the body is either taking your hands and just placing them on your thighs and just like feeling your thighs and just noticing what it's like to connect or <clears throat> your hand and your belly and just kind of leaning into that support and practicing the Hawaiian prayer of apology and love and forgiveness and, and gratitude, ho'oponopono, and just saying, I'm sorry, I love you. Please forgive me. I thank you to my body. And just, yeah, yeah saying that over and over and over and recognizing that these vessels do so much for us and it's so easy to forget because we just live in them. Mm -hmm. And we take it for yeah. granted. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And that prayer is so beautiful. I've actually done that prayer. It's really healing and very cleansing to yeah. do that prayer. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much again. It's been so nice to have this conversation with you and to catch up a little bit on what you've been doing for the past few months and I want to see you in person. So let's make a date. Yeah. I know we're needed. we really need to get together. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. I really appreciate no. you. I appreciate all you're doing to get these stories into the space. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Anytime. There will definitely be a part three. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me. So please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so let me know what resonates for you. Until next time, take care.